one thing both, both of us were very passionate about and remain passionate about is this concept of preventative wellness, right? Instead of, you know, living 30, 40 years semi-healthy or not so healthy and then trying to fix everything in the hospital, right? Or the healthcare system, how can we help people and encourage them to become educated and to take action on a daily basis, you know, to stay healthy and stay fit for the long run? It's important, you know, to slow down and recognize you are the master of your own destiny in many ways, right? The way that you set up your schedule, the way you calendarize, the things you prioritize throughout your, your day-to-day process is really what's going to move the needle in the long run. Do you have any tactics or advice for them? I do. I think the first one is finding some sort of breathwork practice, right? Most people go through the day and never even think once about their breathing, right? But we breathe so nonstop. We're always breathing in and breathing out. But when do you actually slow down and focus on that breath, on your body being a body, right? Being a present physical system on earth, on the ground, right? And you know, you hear the phrase down to earth, right? You know, that has many connotations. The reality is if we slow down and we sit with ourselves or in a group setting and we focus on breathwork, whether it's Wim Hof method, whether it's fast breathing, you know, whatever that looks like for you and what makes you feel good, it's important to slow down and have some sort of breathwork practice. 30 seconds a day is really all it takes. Yeah. Doing a, a slow meditation, setting your alarm, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and eventually you might build yourself up to 10 to 15 minutes. And if you do that once or twice a day, you'll notice that you don't react as quickly to things that happen uh, along, along your path. You actually slow down and you analyze and you reflect and then you respond accordingly. It's a misconception because Yoga is the kind of thing where it's similar to walking, right? You're not, no one's good walker, right? Practicing yoga is really a way for you to slow down in your body and in your mind. And it's not how flexible you are or how stretchy you can do, be in a certain pose. It's how consistent you are to actually, you know, clear your head and allow your body to, you know, lengthen, for example, when you're, when you're so pent up typing all day or, you know, playing sports. We have 60,000 thoughts every yeah. single day. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. 60,000, anywhere ranging from what you're going to eat yeah. to what does he or she think. Judging others. Yeah. To, to, to how do you judge others? Do they judge me? 60,000, right? I mean, that's just an incredible amount of thoughts. And most of them lives. are recurring and negative too, right? Exactly. Yeah. What question do you want to ask the next guest? Yeah, I would say the next question, and I'm also curious if there was already a question for me from the last <laughs> guest, but the, the, the question I would ask for the next guest is, what is your biggest obstacle for getting to where you want to be when you are in the last couple decades of your life when you look back at your life and think what kind of impact did you want to make what is the biggest obstacle that you think you will have to overcome it may not even exist today it may not even be on the platter of options but what would you say would be that biggest challenge and obstacle to overcome and how do you plan to overcome it when it does come what is the most important lesson in life it's a great question because I would say humbly, I'm still learning, right? I'm growing and I think there's tons of lessons that are still being bestowed upon me. Um, but as, a, as of today, I would say the biggest lesson is communication is so critical, right? Being able to communicate effectively, share your feelings, your thoughts, you know, what's true and relevant for you, what is authentic is probably the most important thing you can do in life. So many people I've seen through the course of my life 
do not communicate their true desires, do not communicate what their true beliefs are, right? They bottle them. They want to make their parents happy. They want to, you know, make their teachers happy, for example. They, they, they don't even know what their authentic self looks like. So I would say the biggest lesson is slow down, similar to the concepts we talked about yep. within Brutal Buddha, yep. to really get clear on what it is authentic to you and what is going to make you feel the best about your life when you get to the kind of the last quarter of life, so yeah. to speak, right? Over time. And really stop looking for that validation, like you said, whether it's from your parents, from your peers, or the, from the person you love. I mean, at some point you gotta, uh, a, while, a while back I spoke to this uh, live coach, uh, sure. Lane, and the way he described authenticity is we need to come to terms with our good and bad and ugly and the weird, right? Mm. Because if we don't love ourselves, right? We can't expect other people to love us. Hey guys, thank you so much for following this channel and making our podcast into the top 3% global podcast ranking. When I started a year ago, I didn't think anyone would listen to this podcast, but it was you who made this a success. Now, before you watch the full video, please do me a small favor. Please hit the subscribe button to help me understand a bit more about your experiences and how we can improve our contents. In every video, I have a deep conversation with someone whom I've recently met. We talked about different topics, including mental health, mindset, entrepreneurship, career, and most importantly, their stories on how they transform themselves from the younger self. I hope these conversations are useful to you and can bring you new perspectives. Please enjoy. All right, welcome back to the new episode on Transforming Purpose. This episode is all about our health and our mind. And thank you so much, South Lane, for sponsoring this beautiful venue so I can have a conversation with Evan today. Um, Evan is the co-founder of Brutal Buddha. He and his best friend, Ro, is on a mission to help active men seeking balance live longer and healthier lives. They have built the world's most comfortable three-in-one active shorts for men. Welcome, Evan. Thank Love you. to chat to you about... You know, several topics, men's health, your active shorts. I know you're patent your technology. Yeah. And we'll be asking Evan to show us a few moves that are good for your body and for your mind. Should we get into it, Evan? Let's get into it. Thanks for having me here, Aaron. It's no really worries, it's right. really exciting. Yeah, you've got an incredible journey. I saw that uh, you were in finance before, right? Before you had this uh, venture. Tell us about your journey, mate. It's been an amazing journey. So I was lucky enough to try a few things leading up to Brutal Buddha. I was pre-med. So I worked in hospital systems and healthcare administration for a while. Then I transitioned to healthcare technology. And since then, I've basically been in sales, marketing, or people leadership uh, through the course of my 20s. Since I turned 30, I've been working on Brutal Buddha and this initiative for preventative health and wellness, along with my co-founder, Ro. Yeah. So how did that idea come about? So it started off by going to the Canton Fair, exploring physical products that we could, you know, essentially bring to market to help more and more people live a better life, right? So we always thought about how can we add value to people at mass, right? And one thing both, both of us were very passionate about and remain passionate about is this concept of preventative wellness, right? Instead of, you know, living 30, 40 years semi-healthy or not so healthy, and then trying to fix everything in the hospital, right? Or the healthcare system, how can we help people and encourage them to become educated and to take action on a daily basis, you know, to stay healthy and stay fit for the long run? And that's why we focus on longevity. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff that we do are reactive right the medicine we take correct uh whether you go on diet try to cut you know 10 pounds 20 pounds here and there that's right uh, i feel like the um the the actions like you said uh we take 
most of the time are reacting are reacting to the symptom of a bigger issue. Would you agree to that? Couldn't agree more. You hear it a lot on the Huberman, Huberman Lab podcast. You know, Dr. Peter Atia. You hear it from Tony Robbins with his new book that has come out about a year and a half ago uh, called Life Force. Yeah, it's it's really obvious that the more educated we are about things that are coming up in the future, ways to enhance our lives, ways to live a better life on a day to day basis, it would be foolish to just look past those things and not really take them to heart. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you tell us a few or clarify a few myths around preventive uh, health? What are some of the lessons our, our followers can take away today? 100%. I think the thing people think over time is you can fix things quickly by maybe working out like crazy for two months, right? And burning the fat and getting an aesthetically good shape. Or you may go on a fad diet, right? Maybe, you know, and for some people, it really works, right? You look at keto, you look at, you know, the Atkins diet. These things may work for some people. But generally speaking, we focus on the concept of balance, right? Matching your hard work, your focus, your energy, your your, your intensity, which is the brutal side of yeah. brutal Buddha with the Buddha side, which is more of the Zen mindfulness meditation, finding that holistic balance, you know, for men and women alike, but with our focus as, you know, as a male apparel brand, yeah. um, you know, we, we, we definitely feel that men, especially in times of distress tend to lean one way or the other, right. Versus finding that? that middle ground. I think it's just in the nature, right? As men, we we take on a lot of burden. We take on a lot of pressure. We don't necessarily have the right tools to grieve. Um, there's stigmas in society about how you should express yourself, how to emote. And there's a difference in opinions, right? Everyone has a different opinion about how to go about life and how to express yourself. So, you know, we believe that it's important to slow down and to see the big picture and to see the long-term horizon, right? And that's why longevity and preventative health is so important to us. Yeah. This is the yin and yang what you talk about on your website, right? Having, Precisely. Yeah, having a bit of balance. Um, what have you struggled with personally? I think it's pretty broad. So in the course of my entire life, I've always struggled with slowing down, right? I definitely like to push. I like, you know, fast pace, high energy. You know, I was a basketball player for many, many years. You that know, explains the height, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or vice versa, right? The height explains the basketball. And I've always found that whether it's, academics or pursuit of my career or, you know, even, 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 even enjoying life traveling, you know, I've been to over 60 countries, for example, it's always been something I've wanted to do is push, push, push. But I've learned over time to kind of allow the universe, you know, to work its way out for me and to kind of take a a breather, focus on tips and tricks and mindfulness that I've learned over the last five years. So at, at what point did you kind of go, you were going too fast, is time to slow down. Did you have a health scare? What was the trigger? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't think I had a firm trigger, one specific thing, but I think over time I've started to recognize that I feel I feel a little sluggish or I don't feel like I'm performing at my absolute best because I push so hard and maybe I'm not getting the right sleep, maybe I'm relying too much on a, you know, coffee for example. So that's kind of transformed over the last several years. When I was studying medicine and I was, you know, looking to 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 go the medical route, I found that I was, you know, up till 3 4 a.m. studying, I'd get up at 7 a.m. Yeah, it just was not really worth it. And obviously, you know, you've done incredible things in your career. You pushed really hard. You're international. So we have some similarities. Um, but I would say, yeah, there was no very, very specific trigger point other than, um, you know, I've just kind of watched and observed my health and wellness over the years. And it's continued to to stay, you know, pretty good. But it's never been at the peak performance that I had 
when I was more balanced when I was in, you know, when I was in a high school, for example, right? So it's part of my character. It's part of my nature and my personality. And I think that's, you know, where you have to find that yin to the yang, so to speak, yeah. and vice so, versa. So how would you describe your system then versus your system now? I mean, how does your day look like now compared to what you were before? Before meaning before Brutal Buddha? Well, yeah. Generally? Yeah. So I think the difference of being in, you know, finance, technology, healthcare, working in a system, for example, a corporation or a mid-sized enterprise, you find that you have, you know, views from the top, so to speak, and it funnels down and you actually have to focus on what is going to move the needle for the larger term strategy, the longer term strategy that that organization has. Whereas at Brutal Buddha, we're actually leading the strategy. We're leading the transformation, you know, you know, which ties nicely into this, into this video cast. It's important, you know, to slow down and recognize you are the master of your own destiny in many ways, right? The way that you set up your schedule, the way you calendarize, the things you prioritize throughout your, your day to day process is really what's going to move the needle in the long run. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that our audience can uh, sort of slow down? Do you have any tactics or advice for them? I do. I think the first one is finding some sort of breathwork practice, right? Most people go through the day and never even think once about their breathing, right? But we breathe so nonstop. We're always breathing in and breathing out. But when do you actually slow down and focus on that breath, on your body being a body, right? Being a present physical system on earth, on the ground, right? And you know, you hear the phrase down to earth, right? You know, that has many connotations. The reality is if we slow down and we sit with ourselves or in a group setting and we focus on breathwork, whether it's Wim Hof method, whether it's fast breathing, you know, whatever that looks like for you and what makes you feel good, it's important to slow down and have some sort of breathwork practice. 30 seconds a day is really all it takes. Yeah. Doing a, a slow meditation, setting your alarm, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and eventually you might build yourself up to 10 to 15 minutes. And if you do that once or twice a day, you'll notice that you don't react as quickly to things that happen along along your path. You actually slow down and you analyze and you reflect and then you respond accordingly. So it's a really good practice, you know, to actually focus on your breath. Yeah. I would say another practice is also body movement. So, you know, you hear all the time exercise is so critical. It doesn't have to be such strenuous exercise. I've found that even just walking and, you know, this is such a great place for it, but really anywhere you are in the world, just going for a couple walks a day to get your body moving and to get away from the sedentary lifestyle of what most of us have, which is behind a laptop, you know, business is done on mobile devices. Yep. We're always on technology, right? So taking a pause from technology, doing, you know, whether it's a 12 hour, 24 hour, or, you know, even sometimes a full one week retreat away from technology is actually really good for the brain. Yeah. We keep hearing do at least 10,000 steps yep. on a daily basis. Do we need to do 10,000 steps? Is that a magic number? What's your take on it? You know, I'm a really big believer in the concept of steps. I think it quantifies how much you're moving during the day, obviously, but I think it's more of a lifestyle change, right? Because what happens is if you miss two or three days and you get end up at 2000 steps, 3000 steps, you start to feel low about yourself. So I think it's good for people who naturally are moving anyways, and they want to feel accomplishment from that kind of activity. But the more important thing is to recognize your lifestyle. Maybe instead of saying the number of steps, say, I'm going to walk to the office or I'm going to take a 15 minute walking break, or I'm going to take at least one call per day walking, whether the call is five minutes or an hour. If you have that mindset, the steps kind of make up for themselves. It's arbitrary. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Right. And um, I actually love that. Um, I think one of the things that I noticed that is I think society puts so much pressure in us that sometimes we get so caught up mm -hmm. in our goals mm -hmm. that we forget 
that what is even more important is to have that consistency right. and have that system and have it in you rather than chasing for that arbitrary mm -hmm. goal mm -hmm. right, that you set up for yourself. That was about, um, so a few years ago, you and your best mate role, you stumble upon a business opportunity, you're looking for apparel for men and you couldn't find it. So tell us your journey. What happened then? Yeah. So a few years ago, we were both in yoga classes. We were, you know, exploring that concept of yin and yang, right? Body movement. We worked out, we, we practiced, you know, weightlifting. Uh, he was into rugby. So he was practicing with a team. I played basketball. So we're both team sport guys, right? But individually, we came together and we were going to the gym, lifting weights, training, working hard. And we realized something was missing, you know, for us to really find that balance in our personal lives, matching it with our professional lives. You know, at the time, we were still in corporations. So this all started on the side in the very beginning. And we started to practice yoga. And we started to get really into it. We really loved the concept of, you know, movement on the mat, you know, meditation, listening to the instructor, challenging yourself to do a pose a little bit further each time, inversions, downward dogs, you know, the whole thing, right? Tightening the core. Have you ever practiced yoga? Yeah, yeah. I'm not okay. good at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a misconception because yoga is the kind of thing where it's similar to walking, right? You're not, no one's good walker, right? practicing yoga is really a way for you to slow down in your body and in your mind. And it's not how flexible you are or how stretchy you can do be in a certain pose. It's how consistent you are to actually, you know, clear your head and allow your body to, you know, lengthen, for example, mm -hmm. when you're, when you're so pent up typing yeah. all day or, you know, playing sports. So to come back to your question, that evolved into finding out that we didn't feel that great wearing the gear we were wearing. So we were wearing basketball shorts, regular gym shorts, you know, the gym clothing. And we were, you know, finding that it, it doesn't feel that good, right? Something was missing. Mm -hmm. Compression layer. Maybe we wanted something that would hold the male parts in place. Yeah. Um, you know, similar to how women have sports bras, something that you feel very confident in when you go practice yoga. And there are some yoga specific brands out there, but we thought, you know what? Let's go to Canton Fair. Let's learn what's happening in the market. Let's see what kinds of products exist. And let's tweak it and innovate to build something that does not exist on the market. So that's when we patented the package protector. And we decided to create this concept where you have almost like a net and a cup for the male parts, the yeah. balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, within the shorts, built in. So it's a one-stop shop, right? And I even have... Uh... I even have a pair here. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Nope. These are the Warrior Reds. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much like from the outside, it looks like your average pair of shorts. When you come to the inside, you actually can see here, you know, from the design that it has this, this crossover design, right? So, you know, here's where you actually place your male parts, right? Yeah. The genitals. Yeah. Yeah. And it stays in there when you do twist and turns. Uh, right. okay. So we found over time that more and more men we spoke with actually had the same problem. And that's when we launched it. Yeah. And I came across your website. You guys spoke to something like over a thousand men. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So through the course of our yoga practice, after every single class, we gently asked if, you know, some of our, 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 our peers in the class yeah. male peers had two minutes and we just at, broke into a conversation. Sometimes two minutes turned into an hour. Yeah. Sometimes it was a 10 minute chat. Yeah. And we found from interviewing over a thousand men that there was a real need in the market. And since then we've, you know, we have thousands and thousands of customers. We have, you know, a following of over 20,000 across all channels. So we have people who are really bought into the community, right? They want to learn, they want to be part of something and they want to really transform their lives. Yeah. I want to ask you about your transition because you mentioned you were into basketball yep. and your mate was into rugby. And I guess traditionally, and I don't want to stereotype uh, here, 
but I guess yoga is no more as of a of a feminine um, mm. sport, if I if I could put it that way. Sure. I'm curious to hear to learn from you. Why? Why? How, how did and how did you transit like transition from that masculine sport into yoga? Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, when you think about yoga, it definitely has the connotation of being more feminine. But if you look at the origins of yoga, it actually was male only, right? So it started off as a very masculine, not sport necessarily, but a practice, right? And for us, we found that, you know, in order to counterbalance the intensity of our work, our career, our relationships, you know, the scene, uh, even in a place like here, it was really important to us to counterbalance that with movement, slow movement, you know, various asanas, various breathwork practices and techniques, um, and, and, and getting on the mat and building that consistent practice for elongating and stretching the body, feeling good. You always walk out feeling good yeah. because it's also quiet, right? You're only listening to the instructor yeah. typically, or if you do a home practice, then you're listening to yourself. You have, you know, your, your own thoughts in your mind. So it's meditative in itself. Yeah. And I think that is a really good thing for stress reduction. So for both of us, we found that, you know, the intensity, the yang yeah. needed to be met with something that was a bit more yin. Yeah. So we started getting into it. It was yeah. great. What do you, what do your stress come from? You mentioned about stress. Yeah, I think stress can be both positive and negative. Obviously, there's distress and then there's eustress, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, when you have big accomplishments in life, it usually opens up new opportunities, which creates stress, right? So for example, us starting the brand, it was stressful in the beginning, but in a positive way, right? We were transforming lives. We, you know, got apparel out to thousands of customers. We interviewed them. They helped us to figure out our next range of clothing, right? Which is the shirts and the joggers and the hats. So, you know, for us over the last two, two to three years, um, I would say stress is a combination of factors. One, you know, physical fitness, right? Like feeling like, okay, maybe your sleep is not as good as it could be or should be, right? If you were, you know, just kind of coasting. Um, also, you know, fam, you know, family things that might come up where you need to, you know, support family or you need to be there for other people. But generally, I think stress just comes from being in our own minds, right? We impose a lot of the stress that we have in our lives on ourselves. Yeah. And that's where breath work and mindfulness and meditation can really counteract those, you know, deep thoughts. We have 60,000 thoughts yeah. every single day. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. 60,000, yeah. anywhere ranging from what you're going to eat yeah. to what does he or she think. Judging to, others. Yeah. To, to, to how do you judge others? Do they judge me? 60,000, right? I mean, that's just an incredible amount of thoughts. And most of them lives. are recurring and negative too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't do yoga, but I do try to incorporate some sort of meditation um, uh, activities into my day-to-day. Mm. -day. So for example, I hike Monday and Friday. Okay. So when I go up on a hike, like morning trail, I wake up at around 5.30 in the morning. Wow. And... Uh, do a short run up to the up to the entrance and no phone and i'll try to force myself to just pay attention to my senses mm -hmm. so i'll pay attention to what i'm hearing what i'm seeing what i'm smelling and then you, you start breaking a sweat and the eagles also feel that too mm -hmm. so that's one way of me trying to um get away from all the distractions and the noises you, and you touch on you touch on technologies and so i was born in the in the 80s i'm a i'm a senior so i've seen the so I've lived the analog days mm -hmm. where there was no cell phone. And nowadays, like everyone just can't hit, <laughs> just can't stay away from their cell phone. What, what's your take on technologies? How should people, you know, look at technology, social media, you measure up mental health. Um, so I'm keen to hear your, your take on this. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think we live in an era where, of course, everyone has the same amount of time, right? There's no one person in the world, whether the president of the United States 
or you know somebody who's working in in F and B, for example, everyone has the same amount of time. So how do you actually manage your time? I think is the probably the most critical piece when it comes to technology. Technology should be used as a tool, which is why you see so many things coming up in the world of AI to help us, you know, slow down on how much we're actually spending with with technology, right? So I don't know what exactly is coming up in the pipeline as it relates to social media, but I would imagine that we can start to cut out some of the things that are distracting, don't add value, and become a waste of time for us, right? So you know, if you look at um, you know the way that we spend time on technology. I think it's important to genuinely set uh, boundaries for yourself. No one else will do it for you, right? Parents do it for children, right? You have one hour with the iPad, yeah. right? But similarly, I you know, born in the late 80s yeah. and, you know, technology has been in my life since I've been a teen, right? In my teenage years and you know, my mother worked at Motorola, I had beepers, like uh-huh. it's always been around <laughs> since my since my early teen years. So, I think it's a matter of timing yourself setting boundaries, sticking to those boundaries, and also knowing when to be ultra present, yeah. right? So for example, if you're at dinner or you know a meeting, put your technology your away, right? Exactly. Yeah. Even the watch, I find a lot of times that I'll just oh, yeah. put it away yeah. if if I really take it off my wrist or at yeah. least mute it yeah. so that I'm not distracted because yeah. distractions are really what you know pip, uh, steer us away from our ultimate North presence. Star yeah. and no, presence. presence right? Yeah, no, I love that. I'd, um, so I, I started implementing like, tweaks here and there like you said right put my putting your phone away don't put it in your bedroom when you go to bed so um and then i try to wind down and out at least an hour before mm-hmm. uh, before bedtime mm-hmm. i i have uh, dedicated time blocks as to when i check my social media mm-hmm. so i get up early but all of these things i only started implementing a couple of years ago okay yeah okay how's it impacting you fantastic like i so, you know, I've got two kids. I've got a four-year-old and an 18-month-old. Right? Right. And I also write a bit in a podcast. Obviously, that's why we're here. Um, but if you want to get any stuff done, you really got to be very disciplined with your timetable. So I get up most days. I get up around 5, 5.30 these days now. Um, mm-hmm. At the start, it was very hard, right? Yeah, because you read um, you read books and people tell you, oh, their system, you should get up at this 5 a.m. club. Everyone should get up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. But everyone's circumstance is different. You might have young children, right? And my kids might just wake up in the middle of the night. I might have, you know, a disrupted uh, sleep. And I feel that, you know, everyone should think about, you know, their own system and try to um, contextualize it mm-hmm. and make it their own. And like you said earlier in the conversation, think less about the goals. Right. Yeah. Work on it consistently and then sort of build up your own system. And uh, it's been working out fantastic for me. And I've really seen a lot of benefits just waking up early getting more stuff done um, even before the kids get up. So, yeah. Yeah. 5.30. That's no joke. So do you do it by yourself or do you go with, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Monday I mean, and Friday? Okay. Um, Monday and Friday, most days. So Wednesday is my cheat day, okay. my rest day. So Monday and Friday, I hike. Uh, Tuesday and Thursday at 7, I've got uh, PT. Okay. And uh, Monday night, I've, I've got I've got ball. I actually sh- I shoot hoops around. Oh, nice. Whenever you're free, you can uh, <laughs> You know, come join our game. We just play pickup. I'd love to. I'd yeah. love to. Okay, very nice. And Saturday and Sunday, I save my presents for my for my family. Beautiful. And beautiful. for my friends, right? Uh, yeah, that's you know, beautiful. I, I remember one uh, one thing, one comment that my my, my wife mentioned to me uh, some years ago, and she was like, "I've become this terrible person. Like I was there physically, but my mind just wasn't there." Sure, sure. Right. And you can tell when you're having mm-hmm. conversation with somebody, right? Yeah. They look away or they check their phone. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. It, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So um, do you want to show us a few tricks as to how people can, uh, what people can do in terms of preventative health? You know, I know you're a yoga practitioner yourself. Any, uh, any, you know, any simple moves that 
uh, people can do from uh, at their home? Or yeah, hundred percent. So you know, the last thing I'll say around Brutal Buddha and what we're actually building, it's more than just the apparel or the physical goods or any services out there. It's really about a community. So I didn't mention before, but you know, when we were talking about the stress that men take on in their lives, a lot of times they don't have the people to go out to to ask for help. Mm. Right? There's a lot of pride, arrogance, ego, and as men, as you could probably relate it's hard to know exactly what to do, right? Like we typically have, you know, parental figures and we have mentors or people we look up to, whether older siblings or otherwise, but we don't necessarily have, you know, peers that are, you know, new as men, right? Like we don't have communities that exist so easily. We we started to form them over time, but they go up and down and in and out. And I think one thing we focus on at Brutal Buddha is that community aspect, yeah. people being able to help each other, share ideas. Uh-huh. So we have a Facebook community you can check out online over 6,000 on that community, engaging with each other. Yeah. Um, Instagram, you know, we have, we have, we have various uh, offline communities. So between New York, Los Angeles, Miami, here in Asia, Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course we have, you know, various other, you know, mid, mid, tier cities across the entire world. Fantastic. So um, I would love to show some moves and you know show you a few things you can do, even if it's a five-minute practice. But yeah. before doing so, let me hop into my Brutal Buddha gear. Fantastic. Sorry, I forgot one question I need to ask you earlier. Please. Um, so I asked my guests to ask a question to the next guest. What question do you want to ask the next guest? Yeah, I would say the next question, and I'm also curious if there was already a question for me from the <laughs> last guest, but the, the, the question I would ask for the next guest is... What is your biggest obstacle for getting to where you want to be when you are in the last couple decades of your life? When you look back at your life and think, what kind of impact did you want to make? What is the biggest obstacle that you think you will have to overcome? It may not even exist today. It may not even be on the platter of options. But what would you say would be that biggest challenge and obstacle to overcome? And how do you plan to overcome it when it does come? Yeah, fantastic. I'll let the next guess. Because I think about this one a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So question for you. Please. What is the most important lesson in life? It's a great question because I would say humbly, I'm still learning, right? I'm growing. And I think there's tons of lessons that are still being bestowed upon me. Um, But as as of today, I would say the biggest lesson is communication is so critical, right? Being able to communicate effectively, share your feelings, your thoughts, you know, what's true and relevant for you, what is authentic is probably the most important thing you can do in life. So many people I've seen through the course of my life do not communicate their true desires, do not communicate what their true beliefs are, right? They bottle them. They want to make their parents happy. They want to, you know, make their teachers happy. For example, they, they, they don't even know what their authentic self looks like. So I would say the biggest lesson is slow down similar to the concepts we talked about within Brutal Buddha, to really get clear on what it is authentic to you and what is going to make you feel the best about your life when you get to the kind of the last quarter of life, so to speak, right? Over time. And really stop looking for that validation, like you said, whether it's from your parents, from your peers, or from the person you love. I mean, at some point, you got to... A while while back, I spoke to this uh, live coach. uh, Lane, And the way he described authenticity is we need to come to terms with our good and bad and ugly and the weird, right? Mm. Because if we don't love ourselves, right? We can't expect other people to love us. Right? That's true. And every every now and then, you got to get rejection from, from other people. And that's okay. I think people reject you. They don't really matter. Mm. And for one person that says no to you, I think there are 10, 20 others that are waiting to accept who you are. Mm. So I think, uh, you know, very wise words. Thank you for that. And I guess we'll come back for, for round two. 
once we've changed into our gear, yeah? Yeah, let's do it. Let's have some fun. having you, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah, stay brutal. (laughs) Hey, guys, welcome back to part two. Evan is going to help us do some demo. Yeah. So I'm really happy to be here and excited to show you five minutes of different moves and stretches and yoga poses you can do, whether in the office, taking a quick break, or on the mat if you're actually running yourself through a full practice. So let's do this, Aaron. Cool. Looking forward to it. I'll be his assistant. All right. So first off, we're going to roll our shoulders. It's real simple. Three big shoulder rolls going forward. Big shoulder rolls. Breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. And then backwards. And this should be fun. So you shake it out. You know, you just want to move your body a little bit, right? Then we're going to cross our left arm all the way. Just twist, pull it over. Go the other side and twist, pull it over. You should feel that stretch really nicely in your shoulder and your back. We're then going to take our hands and we're going to bring it behind our backs. And we're just going to extend our shoulders back like this, right? So you can see the way I'm, I'm standing. You look at me forward. It's like this. Right, so this should open up your shoulders a little bit. We're gonna do our triceps. So arms come up, we pull back, 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 reach from the back, and we swap, switch, switch hands. Nice warrior red shorts you got there, by the way. Also, by also by this guy. <laughs> so this is the brutal Buddha gear. It's really great for movement and flow. It's pretty comfortable, actually. Awesome. Yeah. So with that, we're then gonna move into our legs a little bit. We're gonna come up like this. We're gonna stretch the front part of the leg which is the quad, the quadriceps. So you'll feel that nice in there. Then you'll do the other side. Really quick, five minutes. Find your balance. Bring your arm out to the side. And from there, you're basically just going to bring your right knee up into your chest. Balance and pull it in. This is going to embarrass himself, right? (laughs) Exactly. No, you're doing great. You're doing great. You obviously have good flexibility and good balance. So those are some of the simple moves you can do. Then we're going to just take our hands on our waist. And we're just going to lean to one side. So you can lean to the side with me. Well done, Aaron. Well done. Let your neck drop. You might feel it crack a little bit. And we're going to come back to the other side. Nice. Nice. We'll take a few slow twists and turns. And how do you feel? How does your body feel after just doing great? Three or four minutes of movement, right? So you can do this in your... Office, you can do this at home. You can go for a walk and do these kinds of movements before and after your walk. But I will do a couple minutes of just a little bit more complex poses. And I'll leave that to the master. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much, Aaron. So here we go. So this one is what we call a dancer's pose. So I'll turn to the side. You're basically going to grab the foot like this and you're going to lean forward. You're going to look at your hand and you're going to kick back. So you want to focus on balance and kick back, right? So that's one. I'll go to the other side. Right? I think I'm a little bit better on this side. And same thing here. So you're going to grab the foot from the inside. You're going to kick back. Stay on one foot. This is good balance. Arm thumbs up. And that's the dancer's pose. We'll now do what's called a tree pose. So this is one where you can really meditate really well. You put your foot on your leg. And you can either stand like this. Or you can be in prayer pose. Or you can even reach up to the sky. This is great for opening up the hip. And also, really focusing your mind on one point. So you want to look ahead at one point and stare at that point. Maybe try for five seconds. Once you master five seconds, you can try 10 or 15, right? So that's that. You can do the other side. 
And then another one, which may be harder for everyone to see, is really going to be uh, a downward dog. So I won't demonstrate it fully, but basically you're going to reach forward with your hands, right? And your legs are back. It's going to look down in between your legs, right? So that's more of a ground pose. Um, I would say the next one is a sitting, is a standing pose, but you're now going to flex and actually stretch the outside hip. So you're going to sit down like this and you're really stretching that outside hip. So you bring it into a figure four and you just sit back like you're in a chair position, chest up and breathe. Make sure you're breathing. And then you'll do the other side. So these are just some of the poses you can try. I highly suggest you check out the Brutal Buddha YouTube channel. We have many, many videos that you can try and feel free to reach out to us anytime. I'm going to welcome back, Aaron. So tell me, how did that seem to you? It feels great, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the demo, Evan. Guys, check out the website. And this is really comfortable. I really like it. Yeah, you yeah. can Google us, Brutal Buddha Gear, or just Brutal Buddha, B-U-D-D-H-A. And our Instagram is at Brutal underscore Buddha. So come find us online. Drop me a line. I'm Evan, co-founder of Brutal Buddha. And Aaron, thanks so much for having me today. No worries. Great to have you here, Evan. And again, also, thank you so much, South Lane, for the beautiful venue today. Stay brutal. Stay brutal. See you guys. Take care. See you on the mat.